province of Gauteng has experienced some of the worst flash floods last week, causing extensive damage to homes and vehicles, as well as infrastructure. And unfortunately, some lives have been lost as well. And many people say that uh, Wednesday's rainfall was so extreme uh, that, you know, they, they, they wish that this would never happen again to some of those who experienced the worst of it. And of course, the weather has been quite freaky of late. But then I remembered last year, around the same sort of time, we were talking about the heat waves. It was heat wave after heat wave. And this time around, we're talking about hailstorms and flash floods and all of these sorts of things. So what exactly is going on with our weather at the moment. That's what we're discussing this morning. And we joined on the line um, by uh, Tsepo Mutlale, who is head of Disaster Center EMS at the Joburg City uh, Center there. Good morning and thanks for your time this morning, Tsepo. Good morning and good morning to the listeners. And um, we also are joined on the line by um, Wayne Fenter uh, with the South African Weather Service. Wayne, thanks for your time as well. Yes, good morning. Good morning to you as well. So Wayne, just looking at what's happening at the moment and, and, and looking at uh, the warnings and watches issued, it seems as though we can expect, uh, you know, there are chances at least of the weather patterns from last week continuing into this. So talk to us, what brings about the kind of weather that we are seeing at the moment? Yes, what we currently have, we have a, um, a lot of tropical moisture that's moving down from the tropics. Um, it's usually this time of the year where we have change of season, so you have a cooler air coming in from the oceans, and the warmer air that's mixing with the tropical moisture that's coming down, and that's favorable conditions for thunderstorm development. And with these thunderstorms, we do expect uh, severe thunderstorms because we have high instability, some wind shear as well. So that could result in possible severe storms developing again, like today, this afternoon and into the evening. So the trend is then going to continue um, this month, and then things should start to become more stable in the summer months um, with more rainfall type of weather systems um, due to high moisture over the eastern parts of the country. So I guess one of the things that people have found really scary is when you find yourself in the middle of a highway and suddenly there's floods and water just, you know, pushing your car around in all sorts of directions. What is causing that particular situation? Why are our highways flooding? Well, it's it's difficult to say um, exactly. Um, we have with that storm that was on Wednesday last week, it's such a large amount of rainfall in such a short time um, frame. Um, and with the drainage that can't coping, uh, cope with the amount of rainfall, we get that flash flood that occur. Um, so this is uh, typical from a severe thunderstorm. Uh, it caused a lot of rainfall in a short period of time, um, and that caused the flash flooding that we saw last week. And, of course, looking at uh, the conditions for today, this week, again, the chances of that recurring? Yes. Um, for today, we do again have a watch out. Um, and that's an alert that's actually given to the public to say you know, the conditions are favorable for the development um, for severe thunderstorms again today. Um, but it's just a watch. So at this stage, um, we just keep that as a watch. So when we see storms develop today and it becomes severe and it moves to an area where there is a big population, then we will send out warnings for that area as well to the disaster management and the public. So this trend is then definitely still for today. 
um, there is that possibility. Either from tomorrow it looks a bit, um, the possibility decreases again. So um, it's only for today at this stage. Mm. And then, Wayne, of course, uh, over the weekend there were also the hailstorms. Now, these hailstorms are nothing like the hailstorms from my childhood and youth. Why are the hailstones uh, so big these days? What causes that? <laughs> um, that's typical of a severe storm. We do have strong updrafts um, in storms um, that develop. And also mid-level dryness in the, uh, in the atmosphere. So you have these storms that, that actually move and they develop with these strong updrafts. So the updrafts actually take the water droplets and it takes up into the atmosphere the, and it gets uh, time to actually grow into a hailstone or um, a freezing droplet, and it continues until it gets too heavy. Now, these days, we do have a lot of wind shear in the atmosphere as well with different systems that actually plays a role, and that's causing the wind to actually change direction in the atmosphere um, with height. So that's causing the um, hailstones to actually become bigger as uptrust takes it. I take hailstones um, up into the atmosphere and that's causing hailstones to be that big when it drops to the ground. Well, we're talking about the weather this morning. If you have any questions, if you'd like to share uh, some of your uh, experiences, horrific or otherwise, do let us know. 891 is the call-in number. You can SMS us on 34701, Twitter, Facebook, AM Live on SAFM. Now, Atsepa, on your side, um, unfortunately, every year we seem to go um, through this situation whereby people who are living on um, you know, the river banks, especially out in Alexandria, Sandra, uh, out in Cliptown, we, we know the areas now around Gauteng. Um, they unfortunately find themselves in great distress because uh, of the destruction caused by the rising water. What is the situation like this time around? Well, compared to the previous years, um, I would say also every year has its own uh, different experiences and also different impacts. But from the disaster management uh, point of view, uh, looking at the, the current uh, trends and, and patterns of the, the rainfall that we've been experiencing, one could uh, confidently say that there is uh, something that is happening that is no longer normal. By that, we mean that there is somehow impact that we are beginning to note, uh, which may be classified uh, and related to climate change effects. And every area that is impacted in the city of Johannesburg is often also based on the landscape design because quite a number of factors. And as development is also uh, occurring, there is also different effects, and that is the reason why even our programs have to be structured in a way that they also begin to enhance disaster risk reduction measures and also to promote risk avoidance behavior in our communities. So looking at the impacts uh, as well, uh, you'd also note that every year it's different areas that are affected. Uh, in the northern areas, for example, uh, the last time we were severely affected was in the early uh, 2000s 
and, 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 and below. That's when we're mostly hit in the northern parts of Johannesburg. But then over the years, we've, we've seen shifts which also had impacts in the southern parts of the city of Johannesburg. And this time around, we're also noting that there's also a trend now where we are also moving towards the north as well. And as well, looking at the, 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 the climatological characteristics as well, one would also note that compared to the years, there's also a shift. We're also noting that even the storm directions from year to year uh, directions uh, differ. So, and the message that we are also trying to get across and as a way that we are taking as a city as a priority is also to ensure that we also begin to build community resilience in our society and also taking quite a number of factors into consideration, which also includes uh, utilization of indigenous language uh, as to how the impact of, of floods uh, would be responded to. But most importantly as well, it's also to look into uh, our early warning system capability, mm. of which the South African services, South African weather services, have done stunning work in, in developing systems that would be utilized for uh, projection, for projections, and also for uh, improved preparedness for disaster management authorities. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that because, for example, we read those warnings, those watches every morning. But do people actually pay attention to them, Tsepo? Well, it, it depends from one community to the other. And, you know, at the same time, when such alerts and warnings are issued, it is also the duty of the disaster management authorities to disseminate such information. So from our side, we do our best to disseminate uh, that kind of information, uh, whether be it related to effects relating to temperature or rainfall. So you know, at the same time, there is also a need to engage our society at a higher level where we begin to, uh, to, to teach or to embark on education drive where we also assist our communities in understanding and interpreting uh, these warnings and these alerts as well, but also to provide safety messages and tips of which is part of our program of action that we are putting into place that, yes, you've received a warning, but what do you do next? Mm. And and we've been found wanting in that regard. Um, here's a tweet from Brenda Daniels. Brenda says, um, in the floods in Durban two months ago, a woman was swept away after getting out of her car. Her body was never found. Please ask your guests what to do if you are caught driving in a flash flood. Okay, the most important thing, uh, the message that we often advocated when we do our awareness drives, is that it's important, first of all, to report all emergencies, wherever you are. And it's important also to, uh, to ensure that there is adequate measures. Firstly, you must never drive through a flooded road or bridge. And you must never stay in a flooded car to start with. So your safety is a priority. If it is possible to find a higher ground, maybe to run to or to stand on, that is always uh, the best option to look into as well.
Well, we are taking... And it's in, mm-hmm. in a severe uh, situation also. Climbing a tree for safety uh, is, is, is also... So there's, there's quite a number of, of safety tips that are available as well, uh, of which we should also uh, emphasize and, and adhere to as well. Also to ensure that if a path is flooded, mm. turn around and use alternative route, but most important, and, and drive or walk to predetermined assembly points, but most importantly, never drive through flooded bridges or flooded roads. And I guess this is becoming all important now because uh, from a position where perhaps we as South Africans, um, given the favorable weather conditions that we are used to, never really had to worry about what to do in a flash flood, what to do uh, when certain things happen. You know, suddenly we need to familiarize ourselves uh, with the measures, the safety measures that need to be applied in these particular situations. And of course, we are taking your calls uh, on 0891-104-208, SMS is to 34701. They'll cost you one rand. And you can also tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM. Let me just read a few messages before I get to the phone calls. Um, Unati Kwaza says, gusting winds the whole week uh, where we are awful, awful, and next week and nothing's changed drives me mad. Uh, Dumisani in Tengetwa says, lightning conductors should be constructed in rural areas. Lightning scenes in KZN have become an accepted threat in summer. Uh, Zamgelo 18 says, uh, regular seismic activity and erratic weather suggest tectonic shifts uh, that are happening on the earth. Janet van Eden says, uh, storms relentless in KZN, rain for months, lightning strike on Saturday they took out a phone, destroyed 1,200 uh, com- worth of computer equipment. And uh, Palewa uh, says illegal land invasions uh, will lead to more settlements as the land areas might not be suitable for habitation and housing. And then we have even more people uh, finding themselves in situations of distress because of the weather. But let's talk, uh, Wayne, just briefly about what's been happening in weather. You know, Durban was the one place you could bank on for good weather in South Africa any time of year. But that picture has changed. I've been to Durban of late and it seems to be forever raining. What's happening there? Tear-reaching high systems that actually moved um, through that area the past few days. And it actually caused a bit of cloudiness and some light rain in places as well. Um, with this storm, what we actually had was a surface drop that developed and it moved over the country um, and it caused thunderstorms to develop over the interior. And then you had that onshore flow um, from the region high, and that caused that storm to intensify quite significantly. And that was actually a severe storm that caused hail and a lot of damage in that area as well that moved over Durban um, over the weekend. But for now, we do have these region high systems moving through, and we do expect these cloudy conditions to continue. Um, However, tomorrow, um, the chances doesn't look that good for rainfall. Um, But then again, for the rest of the week, there's a chance basically for every day for rainfall in that area. So... What happened last week? Um, I'm reading a tweet here from uh, Captured by Wife. He says, meteorologists were caught off guard on Wednesday. They never expected that storm. And uh, the forecasts after were not spot on. Are these uh, 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 predictions actually genuine? Uh, That's what uh, Captured is asking. Wayne? 
Uh, yes, that's a very good question. Um, what we actually have, we have these models, and they try to forecast the weather as well. So we use model um, models daily, and we get a source, a sort of an idea of where the instability is higher, where the um, systems, um, where they placed across the country, and we get an idea of how to forecast specific severe storms. However, sometimes um, these models do not accurately predict the weather. So there might be shifts in the in the systems, whereas, for example, with that storm, the systems were placed more to the east. So we expected severe storms to actually be more to the northwest and to the west of Durban and not including Durban. However, um, that happens with weather forecasting because models can't actually portray the weather perfectly for the next day. It's always incorrect. Um, that's why we need forecasters to help with these type of forecasting elements. So that morning, a watch was included for that area. However, the day before, that area wasn't included under a watch. But that morning um, of the storm, the watch was included, and we did upgrade it to a warning, and the warnings were sent out to disaster management that afternoon. Well, we're taking your questions now on 891 Peter Wiley in Grahamstown, good morning to you. Good morning, Sakina, and uh, a question to your guests. Uh, we've always learned to plan accordingly with the weather, which has always in my lifetime been very unpredictable. Uh, throughout South Africa, but mainly in the Eastern Cape. It seems to rain almost by accident here. I want to ask your guests there, with records going back as far as they go, is it 100 or 200 years ago? What sort of change is there? And is this new United States president correct when he says that global warming is just by scaremongers? And uh, uh, I, I feel that we've got to actually learn to live with the weather. And I want to know if there is really a change in the rainfall pattern or in the weather pattern. How much temperature change is there? And is it just scaremongering that's causing us to, to be scared of global warming and people who can't actually learn to live with the severe conditions in Africa? Okay, thank you so much, Peter. Uh, Jeannie in Somerset West, good morning to you. Hi, hi, Sakina, and morning to your guest. Um, for the past two winters in uh, with the Western Cape, we're a winter rainfall area. We have had virtually no rain at all, and currently our total dam storage for the Western Cape has dropped below 60%. We have the long, hot summer Ahead of us, we're on Schedule 3 water restrictions. Can your guests give any indication of when we can expect some rain in this part of the world? Okay. Because you must focus on the drought as well, not only the floods in Johannesburg. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Jeannie. Um, Archie in uh, Machabeng, good morning. Good morning all to you. My question would be, I understand that with all this rain, We've only gained only 1%. But now my question is that now, should we carry on praying for the rain or is there no connection between the two? And uh, under the second, but otherwise the other gentleman has talked about what 
Okay, thank you so much, uh, Archie. So uh, let's answer Peter's question and then uh, see how much we can get through before news. Um, Peter wants to know about global warming. Let me throw in show and D. Peter's here as well. Says Durban hasn't seen the sun for a few days, which isn't normal. Is that down to global warming? And Jeannie's question as well. The winter rains have been missing in action uh, down in the Western Cape. Is this all about global warming at the moment, Wayne? Well, global warming is definitely a factor in the world. Um, we do have um, surface temperatures that on the increase. It's been on, on the increase for quite some time. Um, however, we also have seasonal patterns, and we as forecasters look at the seasonal forecast um, every season to get an idea whether or not we can expect more rainfall in the season or not. The people need to understand that we were in El Nino um, for the past few years. That caused significant droughts over the country, and it's still continuing. Um, that's uh, having an effect on the rainfall across South Africa. So what's actually happening with the El Nino is we have the Pacific Ocean temperatures that's actually um, causing this type of dry air to uh, move over South Africa, causing no rainfall. Um, so that's actually um, the reason why we all have all of these droughts. And the, obviously with the El Nino, you have the increase in temperatures and um, decrease in rainfall. Um, so definitely global warming definitely has an effect um, overall on the planet. Uh, with the increase in temperatures, you have increase in risks for severe storms, increasing risks for droughts, increase in risk for colder temperatures, increase in risk for warmer temperatures. So everything is definitely on the increase, a negative increase. Um, so that's definitely what global warming um has an effect on South Africa. Peter Wiley also spoke about Donald Trump and uh, his views on that. But the question he asks more pointedly, Wayne, is whether this is just regular climate dynamics or whether it actually is about global warming starting to take effect. Yeah, that is a very difficult question. Um, There was research done about global warming and definitely, like I said, it's definitely um, uh, an effect of weather that's changed. That definitely is because of global warming. Um, we have seen patterns which is more on an increase, and that's due to the fact that the surface temperature is increasing. So that, in all, it already explains that why these storms are getting more severe, why droughts are more, or heavy rainfall is more, or anything that's more on a severe side, it's because of that already. So that is the answer. It is because of the surface temperature increasing. And you see that. And that is because of the warming. And uh, then Archie wanted to know about the dam levels because given what has happened over the past mm. week or so, um, and then we are told the dam levels, the Val River, uh, the Val Dam, for example, has only riven, uh, risen by 2%. So perhaps just an opportunity to explain what is happening there, Wayne. Yes, um, we all know that El Nino played quite a big role now the past few years. So rainfall in areas were scarce, and then we had this prolonged um, time of dry spells, um, higher and warmer temperatures, um, warmer overnight temperatures, um, and that caused evaporation to continue. 
However, for the past few days, we had uh, a few storms that moved over that area. Uh, quite good storms, um, I might say, that moved actually to Hating as well. Um, so that actually caused a bit of rainfall in the area. However, it's going to take quite a bit of time for the dam to recover. Um, and we do see it's going to take some time um, for the dam dams to actually get um, much fuller than they are now. Um, we do have a good possibility that we have higher rainfall for the summer season areas for this summer. So we're definitely looking into that at the moment. Our seasonal forecasts also showing the possibility of a weak line now developing, and that's going to cause some more tropical moisture to come down and more rainfall in the forecast for the eastern half of the country. And what about uh, the winter rainfall areas, as uh, Jeannie was talking about, uh, that over the past two seasons they haven't had their fair share of rain during the winter months? Yes, um, it definitely, again, uh, El Nino definitely has a, um, a part in that as well. So we're seeing these systems that are actually being pushed down by high pressure um, systems that's over the country in summer and in winter. Um, so for, for the winter rainfall areas in the Western Cape, we have now two years to three years consistency, uh, consistent um, no rainfall or very little rainfall in the Western Cape uh, in the winter season. So that's definitely um, a trend for the past few years. But however, with different um, systems that's going to come in play for the next seasonal forecast, um, we definitely see the chances should improve with the next winter for rainfall in that area. For um, our summer season rainfall areas as well, with this um, El Nino moving away and dissipating and going to a neutral state and the La Nina developing again, we do have a possibility of abnormal rainfall in areas across the country, but more favorable for the, for this, uh, for the summer rainfall season. However, for the Western Cape, we do see that possibility um, for next winter being a better winter year, but however, things might still change from this year into next year with um, the seasonal forecast. So we're definitely taking it uh, year by year. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And then, of course, a few more calls coming through in 891 and I'll get to them in just a minute. Uh, I just want to put this question uh, to Tsepo Tsepo here. Question uh, from two uh, of our listeners who ask more or less the same question. Uh, first, it's uh, Black uh, Panther at KB who says, do we have early warning systems or not? Because if we do, why is it that people living on the banks of the Yerkeske are not evacuated prior to a disaster? And uh, Ed Spiwenduli says uh, people adjacent to the Yerkeske have never been moved elsewhere. And this is just beyond me. Why is this happening? All right. Um in terms of early warning systems, uh, the city of Johannesburg has implemented a plan which uh, rolls out uh, early warning systems, specifically on flash flood-related uh, emergencies. And we had to identify hotspots within the city of Johannesburg uh, and prioritize accordingly. So we have uh, early warning system capability in all the hotspot areas. In terms of the efficiency, well, before we get to that, in addition to that, then the South African Weather Services as well has also multi-hazard early warning systems, of which 
are to the benefit of all uh, South African authorities as well. So those are mechanisms that we are utilizing. And in terms of efficiency, this is where now uh, dissemination of information to vulnerable communities uh, comes in. And with that, we have even evacuated communities that were in danger. Uh, Just to give a practical example, on Wednesday night, we had to evacuate communities uh, at the affected area. Uh, Even though we have households that were affected, but because of the severity of the situation, we also had to take a decision in the job that we had to evacuate certain households of which we've done so. So of which, in terms of the cost benefit, we are able to preserve life, livelihood, and we are also able to protect uh, properties as well. Now, coming mm-hmm. to invasion in question as to now, reoccurrence, yes, we think people uh, faced uh, 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 settling, but there has been numerous um, uh, programs implemented uh, for Sijekia over the years. But I suppose, you know, it, it's also critical that we also look at other factors that might be attributing to the situation. First of all, uh, rapid urbanization has a role to play. Uh, rapid population growth in our city has, a, has, has, has a, a role to play, where everybody is coming to the city of gold to seek employment opportunities. But with, with also limited uh, settlement or areas for residential settlement. So we also implementing now new strategies mm. where we are we are now focusing on zero tolerance to land invasion because this is where the problem starts actually. And you know there is also constitutional rights uh, in, in relation uh, to shelter. Um, so there is quite a number of aspects which also comes with legal implications. For example, we cannot just uh, evict, for example, uh, in land invaded. There are also legal processes that must be undertaken, of which we have done so over the years. But also new approaches that we are looking into is how do we ensure that we begin to create short-term, medium, and long-term strategies Mm. That will ensure that we don't find ourselves or find our communities uh, vulnerable to climatological effects and also look into other measures that can be taken, for example. So amongst the priorities, firstly, especially in areas that are in the flood-prone zones, relocation is, is 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 a priority right now. So, you see, uh, many people not convinced about the early warning systems. Uh, Pagamisa says, um, two people died. Please ask your guests why rural areas were not warned. And uh, still on the early warning systems, uh, is Welake in Pretoria says, where do you find weather warnings? Searched last Friday. A South African Weather Service as well. Couldn't find it. Uh, this one here from KB says, do we really have early warning systems in South Africa? I don't remember any warning on Tuesday or Wednesday morning. All right, let's go back to the lines. 891 um, 104 Cape Town, good morning. 
Good morning, Tatina. It is always such a pleasure to wake up listening to you. Oh, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> I just wanted to say, you know, we've been so focused in South Africa on the challenges that we've experienced for the last couple of hundred years and trying to resolve and come to terms with it. But we almost have run out of time in terms of what's happening globally around the climate. So as much as we need to be focused in on all the inward issues, we have to start taking note of what's happening globally. And if this isn't a wake-up call, I don't know. I just wanted to say that, you know, the rainwater harvesting in South Africa is less than 0.1%. We don't actually have a water problem. We have a water management problem. We have a water collection issue. And I think every individual at individual home level needs to start saying, okay, I need to figure out how to capture the rainfall from my roof, Mm. for example. Uh, and then, you know, we can build a lot more catchment areas uh, to have water in the times that we don't have rainfall. There are, in terms of the, the, the warning signs, there's amazing work being done by organizations like Rebuild by Design that was hit by Hurricane Sandy. So instead of saying uh, every time it happens, then we're going to react, it's about communities saying we need to take this whole situation personally and start planning for it. Let's start planning for it instead of only reacting to it. So I think there's so much we can do if we become a community that starts planning. Absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Magantria, in Cape Town for that. And uh, absolutely right. You know, one of my neighbors was saying to me over the weekend, she bought a Jojo tank. And I thought, you know, actually, that is the way to go because we need to be harvesting more water. Uh, but there's a question to that that I'll put to the uh, panel in just a moment. Itumeleng in Mahikeng, good morning to you. Morning, Sakina. Mine was around the issue of an early warning system, but I think that has been extensively explained. Uh, the second question is that um, we were told that the, the, the dams, especially those who were negatively affected, the Deval, did not, you know, uh, have significant improvements with regards to the recent rains. And part of the reason was, was that we heard it was that the rain did not fall too much on the catchment areas. Can they, these people explain, your guests explain, what is a catchment area? And, and, and thirdly, the last one, Sakina, do we have a very good stormwater system in Houting? And, and, and where have all these waters that have been ravaged in the streets went to if they did not even have an impact in terms of raising the level of the, of the dams? Thank okay, you very much. Okay, love it. Thanks, Itumeleng. Uh, Riyad in Pulukwane, good morning. Uh, good morning. Thank you. I'd like to focus also on the bigger picture. Uh, number one, I think that, you know, if one Googles Ambassador Lemumba's um, statement on South Africa's position on the climate change talk, South Africa has no political will to solve the climate problem. We sold out the entire Africa group during the negotiations during, uh, in, in, um, uh, in, in Denmark, Copenhagen. Uh, and, I mean, we look, we can see the political world. I mean, if you don't collect leaves in autumn, they go into the storm drains and cause flooding. You look at the um, installation of the warning system in Alexandra by Yerkeskay, I mean, it keeps getting stolen. I mean, there's no uh, political world on this. And then we go and we get the world's biggest loan to build a coal power, a coal-fired power station, and we're going to pull five billion tons of coal out of the water bird. You better go and see that before. It's uh, asthma and cancer-causing uh, mess. And about the weather service, I mean, there's corruption there. I mean, uh, the, uh, the head of the weather service has been suspended after five years. The board was dysfunctional. Uh, I mean, the website doesn't work. It's the most terrible website ever. 
I mean, really, we need political will to look after our people. If we don't have a proper functioning state, then people die. Well, thank you so much for that, uh, Riyadh. And, and some really interesting questions coming through um, about harvesting of the rainwaters that we see. Tami on Twitter says, how is the proliferation of these golf estates affecting water collection of uh, rainwater into natural streams, etc.? So let me just throw that in with the rest of the questions there, Wayne. Can you repeat that question, please? So, 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 um, it's all still to do with water harvesting, and uh, Tommy wants to know how golf estates, uh, the proliferation of golf estates, is actually affecting the collection of rainwater into natural streams. Oh, okay. Um, you know, that's a very tough question. Okay, um, what we have, uh, yeah, that's kind of a difficult question to answer. I'm not dealing with that at all. Um, okay, if you're however, not dealing with that, if we're talking catchment uh, generally, you know, uh, mm. people are talking about the dams and the fact that we've seen these floods and yet the dam levels are still, you know, rather low. They haven't moved significantly from where they were. So how does that system actually work? So you have rivers that flow into dams and you get that dams actually to go higher. So what we what we have, we have the catchment area of the fall dam, for example, in the southwestern part of Mpumalanga. So um, that's the river that's actually flowing into the fall dam. Um, and we need rainfall in that area um, so that the water can actually go down in the rivers. Um, and go into the fall dam as well. So we either need rain in in the fall dam or in the catchment area, which is just to the north of that. All right. Uh, then uh, let me just come back to you there on uh, the issue of the uh, warning systems and also anything that you would like to add to the questions that have already been asked there, Tsepo? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, concerning the early warning systems, firstly, let me indicate that over the years, there has been uh, studies, uh, scientific studies conducted uh, locally and internationally to identify uh, possible measures you know, for best practice. And I can say that over these years, uh, we have seen improvements in terms of accuracy, reliability of, of data, of, of these warnings. And we are even improving further, actually. So... Uh, that is just, you know, something to say on a positive note. And then coming to the caller's uh, concern, uh, I suppose in relation to communities that are reached through this uh, early warning system, uh, I suppose it, it also relates to the extent as to at, at what capacity in terms of dissemination of information are we able to reach out to our communities. And that's quite challenging, I must say, uh, and I take it as a positive criticism that there's a lot of work uh, to be done by various authorities to ensure that uh, early warning systems are better understood uh, for better response as well. And also, it's also important that I mention that we also need to ensure that there is community ownership as well at the same time, because we implement these systems and we roll out these systems but unfortunately we also have cases where these systems are vandalized stolen 
And those, that also creates a, a serious challenge on our side. But uh, I take that po- positive criticism of now uh, putting extent uh, measures in place to ensure that we reach out to as many uh, communities as possible. And one of the things is that uh, with early warning systems, it's also part of technology. And if you compare that to, let's say, our elderly uh, community, if they are able to understand, interpret the language, we might find that there is also some gaps. So there is a lot of work that is uh, to be done by various uh, role players. Yeah, uh, have we been caught napping though? You know, are we a bit slow in the uptake here? Is this something that we didn't quite expect, um, you know, to take on the proportions that it has of late? Well, our state of readiness has always been based on a number of factors uh, in terms of prioritization, of which amongst them is firstly uh, to protect loss of life, uh, secondly, uh, to protect damage to properties, uh, infrastructure, uh, critical infrastructure, and also to ensure that uh, mechanisms that are in place uh, as government authorities also begin to place priorities of ensuring that we also reduce uh, mortalities, mm. uh, which is quite important. But also to be able, also to ensure that there is disaster contingency measures that are are able to respond to different levels of situations that we are we be faced with. And um, also, uh, just with regard to the infrastructure, uh, how far does your mandate extend, or to what extent do you look at infrastructure um, in terms of? the contribution that it makes to some of the um, situations that we've seen of late. People are talking about uh, the drains and and them not being cleaned and, um, you know, maybe filled with sand or leaves or whatever it may be. Can you talk uh, to that at all, Tsepo? In terms of our infrastructural design, it's in line with the, the... various legislations and laws which govern uh, development, firstly, of which also places emphasis where development takes place. There should also be intrological, hydrological uh, analysis, uh, assessments and impact studies that are to be conducted, and also to ensure that there is adequate plans to be able to respond to the situation. Now, Looking at the current situation uh, in mostly uh, high-prone affected areas, we often find that our stormwater drainage infrastructure is often blocked. But that is also due to quite a number of of factors, amongst them which being illegal dumping, as one of the examples. That if you look at uh, the situation, for example, in the inner city, where there is a very high level, unfortunately, of uh, illegal dumping, not just the inner city, but even other regions. Uh, and we often find that the rubble or whatever material that is, 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 is dumped illegally in uh, undesignated un- un- areas also amounts to blockage of drainages. Another scenario that we are faced with, of which we are putting action into, 
is that we've often we, we we've now also noted a rise of illegal dumping on the wetlands, of which is mm-hmm. illegal. Just to give an example as well, in Situatia, there is also a, 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 a high trend of illegal dumping of, of building material, uh, of, of building rubble that is also taking place. And all these things also contribute towards flooding and makes us vulnerable. Mm. And the big question, of course, is what is being done about all of this? Uh, Maureen in Durban, I see your question about the dam levels. I'll tell you what, we'll put it on the show tomorrow morning. We'll try and get someone who can speak to all the dams because uh, what we're coming up with is mostly for the Val Dam and we want to talk about most of the dams that are across the country. So we'll definitely put that one on tomorrow's agenda. With that said, thank you so much uh, to our guests this morning, um, uh, Tsepo and uh, Wayne there for helping Helping us, us out, Tsepo Mutale, head of uh, disaster uh, center at EMS, and also Wayne uh, Fenter from South African Weather Service, and of course to all of you for participating and the production team. It's uh, nine o'clock now, and time for news with Norm Samzuli.